In ancient civilization, uh, things were anything but civilized. Um, infanticide, which is the disposing of and sacrifice of children, uh, was a common practice. And the, the early followers of Jesus didn't organize a uh, special interest Facebook group or a political party. They never met directly or opposed Caesar. They didn't uh, picket or protest or attempt to overthrow the ruling powers. They didn't publicly denounce or condemn the pagan world. Instead, they challenged the ruling powers by simply being a faithful presence, an alternative community that was obedient and surrendered to God. The most distinguishing characteristic about the early church was not their ideology or their politics. It was their love for others. They lived as those who were once again living under the rule and the reign of God as a sign and as a foretaste of what it would be like when Christ returns. Now, I'm not poo-pooing people who sign Facebook petitions and share comments online about important issues, but if that's all you do, you've missed the point. If you try to bring about the rule and reign of God simply through politics or the courts of popular opinion, you're not practicing the way of Jesus. And perhaps this is, this is my Anabaptist leanings uh, or preferences around that. Uh, but these early followers of Jesus, they express their opposition to infanticide by rescuing the abandoned children of Rome and raising them as their own. This was costly. This was close. There was connection there. And this was an incredibly self-sacrificial act at a time when resources were limited, where food was limited. And this very act could have um, impacted their own ability to live as a family or as an individual. Sure, throughout history, the church has got it seriously wrong at times. But as I look throughout the history and from what I can observe, that is when uh, the focus was not on King Jesus and reflecting his good and beautiful reign. It was when we as the church were, were grasping after power and control. Imagine if the church here in DUI across the northern beaches, Sydney, Australia, the world, imagine if we were less consumed with chasing after power and control and more committed to practicing the way of Jesus together. Imagine the light that would flow through our communities. I'm going to read uh, from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 16, from N.T. Wright's translation, the Kingdom New Testament. So let me encourage you, if you're someone who feels comfortable closing your eyes in church, give that a whirl. If you're not, have a look out at this mountain and imagine climbing up there. It's not much of a mountain, it's a golf course. Don't get too distracted. But, okay, focus in on these words. It, it's a familiar passage, so pick up the differences. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the hillside and sat down. His disciples came to him. He took a deep breath and began his teaching. Blessings on the poor in spirit. The kingdom of heaven is yours. Blessing 
on the mourners. You're going to be comforted. Blessings on the meek. You're going to inherit the earth. Blessings on people who hunger and thirst for God's justice. You're going to be satisfied. Blessings on the merciful. You'll receive mercy yourselves. Blessings on the pure in heart. You will see God. Blessings on the peacemakers. You'll be called God's children. Blessings on people who persecute you because of God's way. The kingdom of heaven belongs to you. Blessings on you when people slander you and persecute you and say all kinds of wicked things about you falsely because of me. Celebrate and rejoice. There's a great reward for you in heaven. That's how they persecuted the prophets who went before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt becomes tasteless, how is it going to get salty again? It's no good for anything. You might as well throw it out and walk all over it. You are the light of the world. A city can't be hidden if it's on top of a hill. People don't light a lamp and put it under a bucket. They put it on a lampstand. Then it gives light to everybody in the house. That's how you must shine your light in front of people. Then they will see what wonderful things you do. And they'll give glory to your Father in heaven. I love this introduction to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Isn't it beautiful? He's speaking to a ragtag group of everyday people. This was not the religious elite. It was women and children, uh, young people and older folk, misfits and outcasts. It was the crowd and it was the committed. And Jesus says to these people, you are the light of the world. In the kingdom of God, light comes from the most unexpected places. And this all starts with Jesus, the unexpected king. He was born in a stable with the animals to an unmarried teenage girl. He was from Nazareth, which was the Mount Druid of Israel And he spent all of his time with tax collectors. I was going to say the DY of the Northern Beaches, but I didn't want to insult anyone. But he spent all of his time with the tax collectors, the degenerates and society's seconds. It was these unexpected women and men that he invites to be his family. To see, follow and become like him together. To shine like stars in the world as Paul puts it when he's talking to the church in Philippi. From the beginning, God's intention was for his family to be a conduit of life and blessing. Who knows what a conduit is? Andrew, what's a conduit? Yep, something that gets things from point A to point B. Imagine a pipe. Um, I was going to use the only illustration I had um, that I could have brought physically was Ainsley came out with a used toilet paper roll. Said I'm not going to use that, but imagine a used toilet paper roll. There you go. I just used that. A conduit is a pipe. God's family, His people, are to be a conduit through which His light flows. 
In the first book of the Bible, which is called Genesis, for those playing at home, after the world turns to complete crap, God uses a family to help put things right, to bring light in the darkness. God says to this man, Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Like Ainsley said last week in her message, God is into redefining the purposes and the boundaries of family. At this time, God was asking Abraham to walk away, to leave his financial security, his food source, the family and friends from whom he drew his sense of identity. But those who reflect the light move with the light. That's important. Write it down, underline it, it's on your piece of paper, circle it, tweet it if you're into that kind of thing. Those who reflect the light move with the light. When I was in school, I was pretty easily influenced, probably nothing changed since preschool, but um, uh, I could sometimes be an annoying kid. Uh, I can remember on a hot summer's afternoon, much like today, uh, with the sun streaming through the window, I would catch the sunlight on my watch and I would reflect it into the eyes of unsuspecting victims. Hands up the teachers in the room if you've ever had that done to you. I'm sorry, Richard. The key to reflecting the light off my watch was to move with wherever the sun was, to catch it and then to reflect it. Those who reflect the light move with the light. God then says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. Again, in God's world, light comes from the most unexpected places. Abraham and his wife Sarah, they don't have any children and they're old like really old, older than anybody in this room. We're not going to ask who's the eldest, but old, with no kids. And God says to this man and this woman, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Light flows through God's new family. Blessing flows through God's family. And those who reflect the light move with the light. One of the areas um, the team that I lead at work oversees is the assessment of church planters and uh, people go, new people going into ministry. Uh, Dan and Claire did this uh, about a year ago, I think it was. It was a while ago, yep. There's a few different steps in this process, but one of them is a full-day behavioural interview, and it's really scary. And eight years ago, Ainsley and I did one of these in the lead-up to starting H3O. And at the end of this emotionally exhausting day, one of the assessors prayed for us. And after praying, he said that God had given him a picture of H3O as a lighthouse on the northern beaches. And this vision has been with us ever since. When lighthouses were first created, their purpose was to guide people home. They were stationed at the beginning of a port or a, an ocean inlet and they were a marker for ships to navigate towards their family and their loved ones who were waiting there for them. Later, the lighthouse was then used to help ships negotiate the rocks and the hazards so that they didn't meet their demise. So how does a lighthouse work? 
Hands up if you've ever seen a working lighthouse. Yep, there's one up at Palm Beach that I like to walk to. There's actually not many around anymore. But if you've seen a lighthouse at night, you see that there is this concentrated beam that emits from it. And this, this beam is focused by a series of lenses or reflectors, mirrors, uh, because, and because it's, it, the light is, is so increased in its um, intensity, this beam of light can, can travel a very far distance. It can be seen uh, a long way out to sea. The, the French inventor, uh, Augustin Fresnel, worked out that light was pure energy and therefore it moved in waves. Uh, and then he spent the rest of his life trying to work out how to capture that light and to concentrate it and to mould it into a beam. Those who reflect the light move with the light. This is what discipleship is, isn't it? Seeing the light, moving with the light. Reflecting the light. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the light. This is where Dan started. In the beginning, Jesus is the light. And he, Jesus, invites us to come and see, to follow him, to be with him, and to become like him. My definition of discipleship is that it's an invitation to see, follow, and become like Jesus together. Yeah. Discipleship is an invitation to see, follow, and become like Jesus together. It's an invitation to experience the fullness of life. Those who reflect the light move with the light. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says in a very familiar passage, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Hands up if you've ever felt like that. Yeah? Oh, there's only a few of us. Okay. Can you pray for me? Is that? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Amen. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the message version, Eugene Peterson interprets take my yoke as walk with me. Isn't that beautiful? Walk with me. For those of you, um, just to bring you up to speed, if you don't know, because yoke isn't a very common term, uh, it's this wooden thing that goes across two animals and is attached to a cart or a plow or something, and, uh, and it moves along. So Jesus is saying, walk with me, walk alongside with me, work with me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A few years ago now, I went through a period of burnout and um, because the way of Jesus is meant to be light and easy and my life was certainly not like that, um, I decided to spend some time trying to understand what it meant to come to Jesus, to be yoked to him to walk with him i began to study in the area of spiritual disciplines or as i like to call them because no one likes the word spiritual disciplines does it? it just sounds mean so instead i call spiritual disciplines healthy habits you could write a self-help book about that these habits or sp- uh, spiritual disciplines help me to move with god to see where he is and to join him to be with him 
A simple example was walking. Hands up if you've walked before. Yeah, excellent. Um, I don't know about you, but whenever I used to walk to a meeting or around the neighborhood, my mind would be going at a thousand miles an hour, jam-packed with so many different things that I was trying to think or process through. And it was exhausting. Anyway, I, I developed this habit of what I call walking present, which is becoming present to what's happening around me. And I would simply describe the details of what I would see. It's a bit odd, but I'd walk past a tree and start to describe the greenness of the leaf and the lines that you see in the leaf. But as I did that, the intricacies of this leaf could inspire worship and adoration and it would bring rest to my soul. This habit helped me to become present in other areas of my life too. Uh, as a parent is, is, is one way. Habits are simple patterns of living each day that help us to be with Jesus, to become like him and to do the things that he did. They help us to see, follow and become like Jesus together. So over the last number of years, as I worked through these different habits, I began um, to sort them into categories um, because I love head, heart and hands. My whole life since Ainsley and I uh, started HRO has been about trying to fit everything into head, heart and hands um, and I'm sure there's a way to do that. So these, um, I started to think about habits of the head uh, that would set our minds on things above, habits of the heart that would open us up to God and others. Habits of the hands that move us to practice the way of Jesus. So on the handout there, you've got a few um, examples. Again, this is not an exhaustive list. It's just simply a start. So, for example, I'll just flick through a few. Prayer. It aligns our will with God's as we pray that his kingdom come and his will be done. Silence and solitude. They help us tend to God's presence without distraction. Think about habits of the heart that open us up to God and others, eating with others. It creates this space to know and to be known. I tell you what, that's countercultural in our day and age, isn't it? Taking the time to eat together. Forgiveness and reconciliation is a habit that restores us to God within ourselves and to others. Being with children, like um, there's a group doing here and there's a group doing there, and we try and incorporate that into our life as a community. Sure, it slows things down, but being with children is throughout Scripture. And it shows the values of the kingdom, doesn't it? Wonder, celebration, dependence, honesty, and playfulness. So I've given you this so that you can uh, get ready, because next week we're starting a series called Relent. You like that pun? Yep, relent. And uh, it will be a chance for us to explore some healthy habits that will enable us to see, follow, and become like Jesus together. As I said, these, these habits are just simple patterns in life that allow us to, to let go of um, unhelpful or destructive thoughts or feelings or behaviors and instead embrace the way of Jesus That is, this is definitely not new. As I said, I love history. These have been practiced throughout the history of the church and they help us to remain in Jesus, who is the light, to move as a bit of a, and to reflect the light. So can I encourage you this week, as a bit of a, see how you go, pick one of these each day 
and, and, and give it a go, okay? There's, there's probably enough of a descriptor there to, to, to get you in the habit of it. Habits take a while to create, so that's okay if anyone's ever landed a New Year's resolution. Uh, it does take a while. So, with that in mind, let me pray for us. Does that sound okay? If you're the praying type, um, will you join with me? If not, please just allow this as a, as a chance to reflect on the words um, that I say and the meaning um, behind them. God, I thank you that you exist in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that you invite us to join with you. And that because you have made us in your image, you have made it us for community, with each other and with you and uh, with your kingdom purposes in this place. God, we thank you that it is out of your love that you sent your son Jesus into the world. We thank you that he is the light of the world. And the way that we have experienced that light in our own lives that brings life and light and ease. Even in the midst of suffering and pain and challenge. That, that we can experience rest. That we can experience your presence in those spaces. Psalm 23, it's, um, the author talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death and you are there. Even in those times, God. We experience your rest. God, I pray that um, even though we, w- we might think of ourselves as unexpected people, we know that your light works through unexpected people. I pray that we would allow the flow of your Holy Spirit um, to, to, to work through us and that we would move with the light so that we can reflect the light into our families, into our workplaces, into our soccer teams and our netball teams, the surf club, all of the places that we find ourselves, that we will be people of light. Amen.